The 90s? Let's kick it! They were weird. Read my lips. No new Lots of twists. It's morphin' time! And turns. Life was like a box of chocolates. Somebody stop me! Some of it was really good. And some wasn't. But through it all, we had the NBA. It's time for 90s Slam. Alright, welcome to episode 3 of 90s Slam. Today we are talking about the 1992 NBA Films movie, The Untouchables, the story of the second Chicago Bulls championship season. This, for me, was a really big one. I owned it as a kid and wore out the tape. Uh, I'm Scott. With me, as always, is Chris. Love the 92 Bulls. What a team it was. Arguably their best team. Yeah, I I think they had a really, really strong team that year. But before we jump into the team, let's talk about the stuff that went around it. Let's talk about 1992 really quick. Get everybody on the same page. Mm -hmm. So um, an interesting year in America with politics. Obviously, there was a presidential election. Uh, George Bush, the first, uh, (laughs) sizing up Bill Clinton. And that was that was quite a spectacle. What do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, yeah. H.W. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Hubert uh, Winford. Uh, yeah, was, uh... Hubert Winford. I think you're right. <laughs> I need to pull up Wikipedia. Um, and, uh, and of course, Bill Clinton on Arsenio Hall playing the saxophone. Oh, just right, yeah. schmoozing it up to the minority audience. With the Wayfarer Shades, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yes. The, good for him. The cool candidate who had only committed several crimes leading up to that. No, but... no, no, of course not. No. no. I mean, in the area era of pre-social media, it's uh, easier to get away with that stuff, and uh, everything comes out in the end, right? No, no one cares about the dust under the rug, right? Yeah. Skeletons in closets yeah, and whatnot. Yeah, Stains yeah, yeah. on dresses. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else happened in 1992? You got some good movies for us, Chris? Yeah, I got some movies lined up. What do you think the top grossing movie of 1992 was? You love it. So, Batman Returns, uh, no, you're giving me that look, Jurassic Park? No, you got it! Oh, yeah. I did get it, oh Batman my god. Batman Returns, yeah. <laughs> you, you made I me nervous. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, how about the top-grossing animated film? Can you pull that one? Oh man, you said... At one point, it was the top-grossing film of the year. Was it Aladdin? Aladdin, yeah. yeah two for two. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. I, I started growing up in 1992, so I remember these things. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice, yeah. Uh, Batman Returns is number one. Aladdin is number five. Number six, Schwing, Wayne's World. Oh, party time. Excellent. Yeah. Another, another uh, Chicago connection for us as well. Yeah. And then maybe a, a little, a, a quick homage to a future episode. We've got number four, Sister Act. Whoopi Goldberg oh. coming in there. Whoopi Goldberg's relevance to our podcast will become very clear yeah. uh, when we get to that episode. And I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it. No, I, no. I think that's going to be a great episode. But 92 is the heyday of Whoopi for sure. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, and then what else? Uh, just some some notables uh, also in here. We've got Basic Instinct, great, A League mm. of Their Own. Oh, man. Uh, the Bodyguard. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Launching Whitney Houston to another level of superstardom. Right, right. And uh, uh, a cameo by our former Supreme Leader in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Oh, wow, man. Talk about uh, more innocent times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> that, that covers the movies. Let's talk about music. I, I I would be very shocked if you would get the number one song of 1992. Number one. Man, is is Waterfalls by TLC on there at all? That's like one of my favorite early 90s hip-hop jams. There are some other TLC songs that make this top list. Creep? But, uh, no, no. And honestly, it's a cover. I was kind of surprised to oh, see wow. it. Ain't Too Proud to Beg is, is their top song. Creep is the next one after that. But pretty far down on the list, surprisingly, because I know TLC was big. Uh, the number one song of the year hmm, was Boys to Men with End of the Road. 
End of the road. Okay. Like honestly, I can't even really think of it. No, I, I don't know that one. It's not jumping out to me. So I no. guess I, I didn't grow up as much as I thought I did. In I think of their top track as uh, "I'll Make Love to You." Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was the the middle school dance song, although not appropriate, <laughs> not appropriate for middle schoolers. But it had that slow dance yeah, feel to it. Yeah, locked out elbows, hands oh, yeah. on hips and shoulders. Yeah, re- yeah. leave room for the Lord, <laughs> right. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but the the next few songs were much much more memorable to me, anyways. Uh, number two was "Baby Got Back" by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Oh wow! I mean, huge, huge song. I can't believe that's not higher up. And uh, <laughs> "Jump" by Criss Cross. Uh, and ah. number four on this list is "Save the Best for" by uh, "Save the Best for Last" by Vanessa Williams. Okay. Which, okay. Uh, growing up, my mom listened to the Light FM station, so I heard a lot of that song. Yeah. So does uh, um, Whitney Houston come in on the top ten at all for uh, "I Will Always Love You"? The Bodyguard. I will always love you. Boy, that movie must have come out near the end of the year. I don't see it. Uh, okay. Maybe it's a '93. Billboard charts topper. Yes, but another uh, an interesting song on the list here that um, harkens back to one of your mentions, the song Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen Ooh. made the charts that year because of Wayne's World. The oh, scene where they're driving in the yeah, Gremlin and they're all yeah. headbanging, that got that song all the way back up onto the charts. So pretty- did you know that they added that scene uh, at, like at the end as an afterthought because the movie wasn't long enough and uh-huh. they just needed another like fun scene to pad it out a little bit wow talk about a very very happy accident then yeah because that that scene makes the the movie yeah one of the most memorable scenes yeah definitely well let's not waste too much more time let's let's jump into our discussion on the untouchables uh which like i said one of my favorites i used to watch that thing on the vhs like like you said last time about uh wearing out the tape and sure Kevin Just, Costner? Yeah. <laughs> oh, did, wrong, did I watch the wrong Untouchables. movie? Wrong no. Untouchables. Darn it, Chris. You know, and, and surprisingly, in the Untouchables, the, the basketball <laughs> one, not a single mention of Al Capone. No, no. Although, although one very, very gentle nod at the very end of the movie, at the end of the credits, you get all the way through it, there is uh, one credit mentions that the Untouchables is a registered trademark of Paramount Pictures, and they spell Untouchables correctly. Obviously, in this movie, they spell it B-U-L-L-S. It's a very clever, very clever nod to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, The subject of the video, they won their second championship that year. And this movie is incredible. I, I, incredible. As, uh-huh, yes. Every time I say a word that ends with that noise, just assume that I'm spelling it B-U-L-L right. in my head, okay? Right. So this movie starts uh, with a recap of not the season. It starts with a recap of the parade and the celebration and everything. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And, and Jordan, standing at the podium, promises another championship. He says, this was a long, hard year, and we'll be back here again next year after another long, hard year. And... He was right mm-hmm. in every possible way. I mean, the season was was tough, although they made it look easy. They finished the season in first place. They had 67 wins, which was a lot, a lot of wins for that team. Two that away a, from the record at the time. Uh, exactly, and a lot of talk about would they do it. And it's really funny, too, because um, in the movie, Phil Jackson talks about winning streaks. You know, you win three mm. games, you win five games. Maybe you lose a game, but you shrug it off, and you come back and you knock off three or four or five more in a row. This, this movie starts by saying that they won 14 out of their first 17 games. Mm. It's a pretty solid way to start a season. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a game of streaks. That's how you play the game, uh, it's, it's according to Phil Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Jackson, also in this movie, continues the tradition of what's up with your necktie, bro? <laughs> Which is a new segment on our show. But this is what's up with your necktie, bro? I think it's just... It's the 90s. That's what's up with the necktie. Well, and I did some um, deep analysis on this, Chris, too. And I think that all of his ties are paint-themed. Now, hear me Uh, out. Paint-themed? Yes. If you look at them, and we'll put some pictures on the Instagram post. Okay. uh, Some of them look like they're impressionist painting. Some of them look like they're watercolor. You know, Ah. some of them are paint-by-numbers. It's... It's interesting. That was a connection that I made, and maybe I'm on my own on that. But no, I, no, I could see it. Phil Jackson having a very strong aesthetic sense. Yeah, and that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's got Frankenstein down on lock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does have the Frankenstein shoulders. And <laughs> I would say that 1992 is maybe Phil Jackson's best ever mustache year. Oh, definitely. It's, he's a very expressive man with the mustache. <laughs> you, mostly with frustration movement. and. Kind 
consternation. Absolutely. It moves with his mood. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> um, and, and sticking with Phil Jackson for a second, there is one quick shot of them in practice. It comes a little bit later in the movie where he jacks up a three-point shot. Mm. Do you remember? His, I know. I don't remember that. His form, and he played in the NBA. He won two championships. So Phil Jackson played in the NBA. He won two championships as a player. And there is a shot of him taking a three-point shot. And it's like a weird combination of a granny shot, but with like a chest pass. <laughs> and he just jacks that thing into the backboard. It's not even close to going in. <laughs> How far removed are you from your playing days? It was, it blew my mind. So that was, uh, okay. Yeah, he was a total like off the bench energy guy yeah. in his playing career. He might've even been a starter for a little bit of one of those seasons. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I can't, he went to school in like Montana or, or North Dakota, I think, and was, uh, Big time scorer, but then went to the Knicks and wasn't was a kind of you know uh, ignition guy. Yeah, uh, a little bit of a role player. Yeah, um, yeah, and like you said, a spark. You mm-hmm. know, somebody who comes in and gets things going. Which, speaking of role players, there's a really great um, interview quote with Bobby Hansen. Yes, uh, where he talks about you know we're role players. We step in and do what we want. And it's like I'm watching that video now in the year 2021, and it's like. Bobby Hansen? Like, Bobby of, Hansen, of yeah. Of course you're a role player, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. But he does pop up later uh, as we watch the video. Totally, and, yeah. And he, he has some good streak. He does. And and at pretty key moments in crucial games. Absolutely, so yeah. I, I laughed at first, but, you know, foot in mouth, Bobby Hansen showed yeah. me what's up. So good you for know, Bobby Hansen. When you're backing up MJ as the two guard, you don't get a lot of playing time. But when you do, you know, you're, you're kind of under the microscope. Yeah, but you're also playing with a little bit of uh, house money there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, nobody thinks you're going to be as good as Jordan. So if you come off the right. floor with like a minus 18 stat line, you're not really going to get that much guff. Right, right. But uh, Bobby Hansen showed in, I think it was game five or six, that, uh, you know, role players can step up in big moments. Sure, sure, yeah. We'll get to fourth quarter game six, but he he came came in huge. Yes, big time. So, uh, kudos to Bobby Hansen. Um, There was a nice line in the movie where uh, they're talking about the Bulls' regular season and they're getting to the All-Star break and the Bulls are crushing. Mm -hmm. And so the announcer, of course, says the Bulls stampeded into the All-Star break. (laughs) Just had to take a moment to acknowledge that. That was very good. And the guy who narrates these movies... He is. I haven't. I haven't done the research, but he is. His name is Hal Douglas. Everybody. Oh, so he's got to be the guy who who started the the movie trailer uh, theme of In a World. No, that's where... Don LaFontaine. Really, it's yes. not the same guy. No, it's oh, not. I could have sworn. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yes. go go on. There's actually a really good movie about movie trailer. Uh, audio recording um it's it stars lake bell and i'm i'm just i think it's called in a world and <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's fantastic it's about lake bell trying to get into the world of being the person who says in a world and it's just great i, I would recommend it where babies have days out <laughs> yes <laughs> 90s <laughs> we'll cover babies day out in another episode <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I noticed in this movie was uh, Benny the Bull. Was this his first oh. season in existence? I didn't do any research about Benny the Bull. So, um, sharp-eared listeners who are uh, you know paying attention, if you know mm-hmm. better than me, reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter yeah. or at 90slampodcast dot or at gmail dot com and uh, and let me know. But he looked clean. So. One of <laughs> yeah, one of the more beloved uh, mascots in the NBA. Yeah, I think he originated the popcorn flying everywhere in the crowd thing. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. he used to do like the backflips for slam dunks and stuff like that at halftime. And now there's like five Benny the Bulls. They all look different. There's a brown one and there's like yeah. a skinny one. And then there's the giant inflatable one. And of course, the Bulls have the blimp. The blimp. And it's a, you know, a, uh, anecdotally, it's a good job to have Benny the Bull. Oh, it, it's you are comf- you are living comfortably and as wh- Benny the Bull. You're saying this very wryly, but why? Why do you know? Well, I I have heard uh, salary 
estimates that are pretty reliable and, and you know and pretty you, good, huh? Yeah, you work you work forty one days a year for for home games. Well, but you're also making public appearances and things like that, or at right. least they do now. Maybe not so much in nineteen ninety two. Right. Um, right. But yeah, that does sound like a pretty cushy gig. Yeah. Not to yeah. mention you get to run around on the court and clown around with all the players and everything. It, totally. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely a very very fun position. So everyone listening, go get a job as an NBA mascot. Yeah. yeah. Shouldn't be too hard, right? Yeah. Um, think of your future. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good on a resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the Bulls obviously stormed through the rest of the regular season. They finished in first place overall in the NBA. Like we said, they finished 67-15, and 15, which pit, uh, put them up against the Miami Heat in the first round of the playoffs. Now, the Miami Heat were a relatively new team. Mm-hmm. This was only their fourth season in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, more or less still kind of uh, getting over the expansion aspect of their franchise yeah but um, they had harold minor baby jordan ronnie cycli a couple good exa- players yes, yeah. definitely they had they had some talent and and they got to the playoffs on a, on a not exactly a winning record but that's what happens when eight teams from each <laughs> conference make the playoffs their sure. their regular season record was 38 and 44 Strong. Uh, good, good, strong. Strong enough, anyways. <laughs> that's all that matters. Um, and obviously, the Bulls made quick work of them. Yep. I think that in the movie, they, they show the heat for what? Less than a minute? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty quick. They don't, yeah, they don't need a lot of screen time. The Bulls in the interview were even talking about how their goal was just to sweep through Miami and move on to the next round. Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't even mm-hmm. paying these guys any mind. And. And rightly so. They did sweep through Miami yeah. and moved on to a much tougher challenge in the second round. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the origin of the powerful Knicks team yes. of the 90s. Yes. The, the Bulls swept them the year before, oh, first round of the 91 playoffs. Yep. But but not this time. Game, the one of two seven-game series for the Bulls in the 90s. Exactly. And, and this one, I had honestly forgotten about it. Me too. There's so much talk about the Pacers one later on mm-hmm. uh, that you just kind of forget how tough this series was. And I think a lot of that can be credited to not just Patrick Ewing and John Starks, mm-hmm. but but role players, again, like Charles Oakley, Charles Oakley Xavier McDaniels. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they show him getting into Pippin's head in this video. Yeah, and the X-Man. Was, exactly. That, that, was his, that was his heyday, for and, sure. Yes, and he was good and yeah. physical. They make many references to the fact that this is a man's game, meaning it's tough, it's physical. <laughs> you're going to get beat up if you're trying to go in for a hoop. Yeah. And, they, and they show it a lot. They show mm-hmm. a lot of hard contact from both teams. That's just how the game was played. And uh, it, it leads to one of my favorite sound bites that I will drop in here. And, and I'll do a little compilation so you get to enjoy all of the grunts that the players make <laughs> as they're driving into the hoop. Oh. If they could not, the Nick continues to the and just a lot of it, a lot of it, over and over and over. Like it's like five minutes of the movie is just that noise. Yeah. So man grunting. Man man's grunting. Game. This is a man's game. Yeah. It's a man's game. It's a man's game. Um, but it was a back and forth series with the Knicks. It was much tougher, I think, mm-hmm. than the Bulls were were ready for right mm-hmm. off the bat. Um, the Knicks took Game One. Yep. In Chicago, they just stole home court advantage right away. Um, and and put the Bulls, you know, in an awkward position. They got their backs against the wall for the first time all season long, yep. basically. Um, and it was unexpected. They they were not expecting this to be a huge test. Right. But Pat Riley, the coach mm-hmm. of the Knicks, that guy knows what he's doing, and and he he coached them up just right <laughs> to yeah. win that game. And uh, and so the Bulls had to come back in game two, and it went every other game. Yeah. Like that until the end, obviously, mm-hmm. when the Bulls put it away. Uh, Fortunately, but kind of breathe a sigh of relief, and then who's got you coming up in the next round? But everybody's favorite Midwestern rival, <laughs> the Cleveland Cavaliers, who had been kind of a thorn in the Bulls' side in the playoffs uh, leading up to this, and obviously it led to some iconic moments. This might have been their best team, too. It was a good one, definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, you got players like uh, Craig Elo, of course, but Brad Dowery, Larry Nance, all of these guys. Uh, Mark Price, too. What yes. could have been if Mark Price had a long career, injury shortened? He was a great point guard. Kind of like a prototypical Steve Kerr, but with better handles. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was thinking even John Stockton, that level. Good, yeah, yeah. definitely. And and Stockton will come up in future episodes, mm-hmm. plural. Um, but yeah, definitely. And the Cavs were tough. And just like the Knicks, you know, 
suddenly they were facing more of a challenge than they hoped for. Yeah. And it was two to two at one point in the series there and, and looking tough. But, you know, Jordan kind of woke up at that point and was like, no, 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 no. Let's quit screwing around over here. <laughs> Let's yeah. get to work. <laughs> so uh, the Bulls put them away and made their way to the finals. And one of the interesting things I noticed during the clips of all these playoff series is throughout the playoffs and into the championship, into the finals, Phil Jackson is wearing his championship ring. Oh, yeah. On Look the at bench, you, big boy. Right? I feel like that's a good power move. You know, <laughs> just a little swagger. <laughs> I would wear it on a medallion around my neck outside of my shirt collar, like a bolo tie. That's yeah. what I would do. Yeah. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they start doing that now. Like, he's got so many. He's got 13 championship Ridiculous. rings. Ridiculous, yeah. It would look like one of those, like, candy necklaces at a certain point. <laughs> Which would be a definitely a fashion thing. And um, speaking of fashion, some good fashion in this movie. Oh my gosh! The yeah. Bulls, the Bulls interviews, so much neon. Oh, Horace Grant, Will Perdue, those are my top two. And I took notes on those, so I've got some notes on their outfits. Um, oh man, I would dress like Horace Grant today with the aviator just aviator glasses. Yeah, like, that's in style today. Yes, absolutely. And his purple backed. Uh, Baseball cap? Yep. Incredible. Yep. I was loving Horace Grant style. Yes, yes indeed. He uh, he looked very good in the neon. Um, Stacy King also was rocking yeah. a neon hat, neon shirt. He had the earring going. Uh, we've got Will Perdue rocking the pink and purple windbreaker with, yeah. <laughs> with maybe the most questionable fashion choice yeah. underneath the windbreaker. It was a yellow shirt. And I, I wanted to say it was one of those, like, the, the short collars a little bit. Oh, uh, okay. But there were looked, stripes involved, were there? there? Were, well, like, wavy lines, yeah, maybe? It was yeah, a yellow yeah. shirt with red wavy lines, and it looked like the, the button-up section of the shirt kind of goes up to the top and then angles hard to one yeah, side. It yeah. was a very confusing shirt. He looked shirt. like the least comfortable member of the boy band, honestly. Yeah, but, but in hindsight, looking good. <laughs> Yeah. Just, just a really good look, and it aged well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very well. Yeah, they looked like they were all straight out of the Bugle Boy catalog. Oh, Bugle Boys. <laughs> get an example of the Bugle Boys on our Instagram post. All right, let's get into the finals, shall yeah, we? Because that's yeah. what everybody's I here for. Yeah. Um, the Bulls faced up against Portland, mm-hmm. who this was not even their first uh, finals appearance in the 90s. No. Portland lost to Detroit in the 1990 NBA Finals. They lost four games to one. They were the favorites out of the Western Conference for sure. It was a, it was a matchup that people expected before the season started. Yes, definitely, because they were expected to get to the finals in 1991 mm-hmm. as well. And, and Magic Johnson pulled a few pulled a few tricks out of his bag mm-hmm. and snuck by them to get into the finals and lose to Jordan, thank goodness. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the Trailblazers were dominant. Yeah. They were very dominant. And kind of going through the same thing that the Bulls were going through in the East a little bit, mm-hmm. um, kept running into roadblocks, but they made it to the finals first. And so um, there's there's an announcement or an announcer says at one point that the world has been waiting two years for this matchup mm-hmm. for the same reason because the Bulls were running into the Pistons uh, in the playoffs and getting knocked off every year and everyone wanted to see Michael and Clyde go head to head. Yeah, um, there was a very direct comparison between the two. Yeah, the uh, shooting I, guards. Who was the better shooting guard? Right, exactly. And they had met each other in college ahead mm. of this, and they would face off in some slam dunk contests. And there were just a lot of parallels between them. And if you want more information about those parallels, check out our video mini episode that I made about Clyde Drexler. Ooh. It is informative, uh, to say the least, because there was it was a much stronger comparison than I even realized going yeah. into it. Um, yeah, maybe the most graceful uh, NBA star who just was was totally fine rocking the male pattern baldness yes and for that i salute you clyde kind of like phil jackson wearing the championship ring you know like this is a power move you're gonna look at my yeah, weird hairline yeah. and that's gonna be it like, yeah yeah everyone else was just shaving their head when yeah. they started getting that receding hairline or the bald spot in back and clyde i love you man you're just wearing it absolutely you know jordan for sure had the same hairline in 1992 yeah, for sure right yeah. and and he just I think the advertisements and everything got him thinking I need to look like yeah. sharp, and yeah. so I got to shave the head. But uh, yeah, it was it was a bold look for Clyde, um, but it worked for him honestly. So, quick question right now with with the uh, you know we've seen Brian Urlacher now have a full head of hair. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think if the male hair restoration technology is what it was, what it is today, if it is that back in 1984, sure. Sure. does Jordan never shave his head? Oh, wow. Because is- LeBron, I mean, we've seen his hairline come back to life. He's got a zombie hairline. It was dead, and now it's back. He got a lot of grief for that throughout his career, yeah, though. And- for, but whatever. The people who are giving him grief, whatever. But, but... I think that Jordan maybe wouldn't have wanted to receive any negative attention like that. I'm not sure that he would have gone through that process. Okay. Okay. Tough to say. Tough to say. LeBron's a brave man to do that while everyone in the world is staring at you. You know, it's tough, (laughs) but good for him. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I started losing my hair when I was 19 years old, so I'm I'm down with the receding hairline athletes. I love it. It's either you lose your hair or you go gray, and I'm dealing with the other end of that spectrum. (laughs) Uh, I started going gray in college. Thanks, Mom and Dad. But it is what it is, and you either embrace it or you you try to hide it. Both of us are proud. We both have just embraced it. (laughs) I love you, Clyde. Clyde. He's another sponsor of the show, right? Yeah, Clyde's listening. Thanks, Clyde. (laughs) Thanks, Clyde. (laughs) You're an inspiration. Yeah, we love you. We love you so much. Anyways, uh, game one, all right, in Mm -hmm. Chicago, and a lot of hype leading into this. Right, yeah. And boy, it got off to a good start. This was the shrug game, wasn't it? This is the game. Jordan knocked down six three-pointers in the first half. And this was not, I mean, now six three-pointers and a half is, 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 great but it's not remarkable yeah this was this was insane the, the you listen to the broadcast team they were freaking out at number yeah. four they were screaming yes. johnny johnny redker uh-huh. and and i mean then the national broadcast marv albert uh-huh. and mike fratello yeah they're screaming yes. what in the world is going on well, it's crazy for, you know look at the nba at the time it was a big man's game mm-hmm. right big centers seven footers on every single team basically mm-hmm. And the, the strategy at the time was to just work it inside and out-muscle the other team. So this finesse shooting from the outside. Yeah. And and Jordan had never been known as a three-point shooter. No, And no. never really would be. I no. mean, he's a good shooter, obviously, but that was more or less outside of his range. He didn't need it. He never needed it in his career. He got three-pointers the old-fashioned way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Drive yeah. to the hoop and get and one. So, yeah. Um, so impressive, very impressive, and you would think that that would be the end of the game, but the Blazers had a knack for not really mm-hmm. falling out of the game. They, they stormed their way back in there. Um, they and- were a good mix of veteran leadership and just young athletic talent. Yes. Who, who would you, other than Clyde, who yeah. would you say is your favorite player from that Trailblazers oh, team? Oh, man. Well, I'll take one from column A and one from column B. Jerome Kersey was just a... a a maniac, just strong. He could box you out, but he could lift up above the rim. And uh, yeah, he was he was really fun. He was really volatile too. I I, I like those guys. I strongly agree with Jerome Kersey. Jerome Kersey's a great one. And then uh, on the veteran side, Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge, former Celtic. What he an had, irritant. Yeah. yeah he yeah. had some experience um, and against the Bulls. He'd seen them in the playoffs before. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he'd picked and up. would again. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Spoiler for, well, not a spoiler, <laughs> teaser for another episode. Um <laughs> coming eventually we'll get to it um but uh and you know he had probably picked up a thing or two from what uh larry legend and oh my god all those guys on that team so so uh the blazers kind of stormed back in that game um but the bulls held on to the lead Mm -hmm. they managed to win again you get some key performances by role players in the game that that shut down some key key players for the blazers um which led into game two and still in Chicago, the Bulls are riding that one nothing lead. There's a quick shot of the Bulls practicing at one point, and everyone's wearing Zubas. Zubas, yeah. Horace Grant was a great Zubas. Uh, was he the zebra Zubas? Yeah, yeah. I think he was, he was the yeah. white and black striped ones that were that were very very cool. Yeah, very nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Horace Grant, man, one of my probably my well, he was the third option, but he was the. Third favorite bull of the early 90s. For sure. He was the Dennis Rodman of the first. An energy guy. Yeah. Block shots, get rebounds. Definitely. Clean up near the hoop. Just muscle, too. And, yeah. You know, willing to do what it took. Super athletic. Yes, definitely. Uh, so game two starts with Clyde, Clyde Drexler just crushing right mm-hmm. from the start. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he came and he meant business. And it became a little bit of a situation. Right. And 
Jordan had to kind of retool his game in that one. You see a lot more passes and yeah. dishing a little bit more. I think a lot more double teams on him. Exactly. Double and triple teams. That's exactly right. Right. Mm-hmm. They had kind of figured out that if we want to win this game, we got to shut down that guy. Yeah. Don't um, let him beat us. Don't let him beat us. But fortunately, he's not the only guy on the team. Yeah. You still got Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant and John mm-hmm. Paxson. Scottie Pippen in particular. And, yeah. and The Untouchables, the movie, does a good job of talking about how this was his year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He really took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about he had a little bit of swagger coming into the season totally. with that championship behind him and and he 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 lived up to it you know he did a really really good job and in game two especially he was able to get in there and play some pretty pesky defense mm-hmm. um to the point where Clyde Drexler actually fouls out with four minutes left in the game yeah. and the Bulls are, are are winning at that it point. seems like it's all sealed up it does it's a done deal but again bench players role players step up that's what mm-hmm. you got to do to win a championship right mm-hmm. and so Portland just Notably, Danny Ainge. That one goes into overtime, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and in overtime, the Bulls just didn't even show up, it seemed like. You yeah. Know, the, Portland was, they tasted it and they wanted it, so mm-hmm. they, they got it. Um, so now it goes back to Portland. Series is tied one-to-one. Uh, another tough game in Portland. Uh, the Bulls get out to a pretty early lead again, but Portland, again, I keep saying this, storms back into the game. Uh, they They... The Bulls kind of take their foot off the gas, and Portland takes advantage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I should mention, and going back really quickly, in Game 2, the game was tied at the end of regulation, and Jordan had a chance to win the game. That's right, yeah. One of the few... Well, that this was like a, a, a callback to the previous... or. A, the first episode where Jordan misses the game-winning shot in game in the, one yeah, of the exactly. Lakers series. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he had a chance, and it rims out, and they can't get it done in overtime. Do you think to this day that he still thinks about that? 100% he For does. sure, right? That guy's a maniac. Yeah. I wonder if that's the only thing he thinks about. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, he's yeah, he probably thinks about that, and Charles Barkley is saying he's <laughs> a bad owner. and Yeah, he's he's a tortured soul. Uh, yes. I, I mean, I don't think it's fun to be inside Michael Jordan's head on a day-to-day basis. Greatness comes at a cost. Yeah, I, I, yeah seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I... I, I Believe that. Yes. Um, so in game three, it's another physical game. Portland's come back in the fourth quarter. It's tight. And there's a really good quote of Phil Jackson in the huddle. And he says, uh, I, I believe he's talking to like Scott Williams or Horace Grant or somebody like that. And mm-hmm. he says, they're going to beat the hell out of you. So you might as well get used to it. Stay strong. <laughs> I love that quote. That is such a great line. And it really speaks to the 90s NBA sensibility. Yeah. hundred. Yeah. Good call. Good call. You're going to get beat up. So get used to it. I yeah. Love it. That's yeah. good stuff. Um, then in the fourth quarter, following that Blazers comeback, the Bulls defense just clamps down. Scottie mm-hmm. Pippen, again, nothing's getting past him. Mm-hmm. Jordan, too. I mean, he's the defensive player Scott of the year. Scott Williams really emerges as a great defensive stopper, too. He yep. gets, I think he gets more minutes in the series than Bill Cartwright, the starter. Very I mean, possible. Cartwright's definitely more an offensive threat, but Scott Williams... Uh, really shows himself as a rebounder and defensive presence. And that might, uh, you can chalk up some of that to youth uh, versus True. experience. True. Bill yeah. Cartwright had been around for a while at that yeah, point. Yeah, he was long in the tooth. Yes. And Scott Williams, and, and they acquired Bill Cartwright because they knew they needed a big guy. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really have one uh, after they got rid of Charles Oakley. Mm-hmm. And so they went out and got Bill Cartwright. In fact, I think that was the trade. That was the trade, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but Oakley wasn't a, wasn't a set piece offensive scorer, and that's what Cartwright could offer. Yeah. Oakley was more of a muscle. Uh, bruiser, get the rebound, mm-hmm, get out of my mm-hmm. way kind of guy. Yeah. Um, set Jordan's a hard enforcer. pick. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so defense clamped down, and of course Jordan stepped up and just willed them to victory in game three. So now the Bulls are up. They are leading two to one, and they go into game four and jump out to an enormous lead. Mm-hmm. Right? Just everything is dropping for them. Everything is looking good. And you can see, at least... Thanks to the editing of the Untouchables, <laughs> B-U-L-L-S, uh, that the Bulls took their foot off the gas in a big way in this game. You could tell that they thought they just had it locked up, and mm. Portland said, no, 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 we're, we're coming back mm-hmm. again. And uh, they did. They stormed right back into it. One of my favorite things about uh, of this one is that the Bulls looked tired, and Phil Jackson said, we just let a great opportunity slip by. Like, we had this, Mm -hmm. and we just blew it. And you know they took that very, very personally, Mm -hmm. as Jordan likes to say. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't going to happen to them again, right? 
So that game ends, and um, let's see. Game five, series is tied 2-2. Two to two, And you know this is a watershed moment in the finals, because what do you start hearing during the, the gameplay, the footage? You hear some pretty serious electric guitars and electric drums. <laughs> All of that stuff kicks in. You're hearing some solos. Think, think rookie of the year when Chet Stedman throws a pitch and his arm hurts. <laughs> What another 90s poll that is. Love nice. that movie. Yeah, yeah, Love that yeah. movie. Um, but they're coming. Yeah, exactly. And and so it was just a dominant game by the Bulls. Uh, Jordan at one point rolls his ankle. He steps on a ref following a, a, oh, right. a shot, right? Yeah. And so a he, ref or was that a, a photographer? Or it was a ref? I, it looked like a ref. I could be okay. wrong. It's okay. very, I'm, I'm wrong often, so it could, be, it could have been a photographer. But uh, so Jordan had to sit on the bench for a good chunk of the game. Mm-hmm. And... Normally, that's not a good thing, but in this case, the bench expanded the lead in a big way. Yeah. To the yeah. point where Jordan maybe could have just <laughs> rested yeah. that ankle the rest a, of the way. A precursor of things to come. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was it was a good one. And that game ends with, I think it's Horace Grant, as they're leaving Portland yelling, let's take it back to the city. <laughs> uh, they're excited because now they have a chance to win a game, win a championship at home. At home, they yeah. They won last year in Los Angeles, and now they want to bring it back to Chicago. Yeah. So, Chris, in preparation for this, you watched Game 6 from start to finish. Yeah, the, a great YouTube. Uh, YouTube is amazing for watching these classic NBA games. That might even be the channel that I watched it on, classic NBA games. And, and I really think this might be the most spectacular uh, final game of any Bulls championship. Uh, I mean... 1998, incredible. Jordan takes his last shot as a as a Chicago Bull. It's of a course. game-winning shot. Iconic. He scored the last four points of the game to win the game. Don't forget the steal. The steal is incredible. Yeah, it crushes Carl Malone. We'll talk about uh, that. We'll get to it. But but this was a comeback victory at home, an unlikely comeback victory at home, and a close finish too. It took a final defensive stand where John Paxson comes away with the ball hucks it up into the air after time elapses. Um, this was an incredible game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, 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 at this point in the series, it had been well established that the Bulls were the dominant team, that Marv Albert and Fratello were saying throughout the game how the Bulls had led for, I want to say it was between 75 and 85% of the series they Absolutely. Had, they that, had the lead. That speaks to the comebacks that I kept mentioning in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. The Bulls were leading for three quarters of all of these games, basically. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, they were dominating. And the scoring average of everyone on the Blazers, aside notably from Danny Ainge, uh, was down for the playoffs. Everyone was scoring less than they had in the previous three series, except for Danny Ainge. Uh, and this included the stars, you know, Terry Porter. Who uh, who had a down series up until Game Six? He had a great first first half of Game Six. So did Jerome Kersey, um, but everyone else was was down, and uh, uh, the Bulls were were kind of running game on the on the Blazers, uh, and this this uh, this culminated in Game Six where the Blazers kind of turned it around, and the Bulls had did not lead from early in the first quarter until late in the fourth quarter. Exactly. So they, they were coming from behind all game for the first time, all series, and uh, it, it led to an amazing finish. Yes. Um, really quickly, early in the game, there is a shot of Scottie Pippen. Uh, I think he's going up for a block, or maybe he made a layup or something like that, and he comes down hard on the stanchion underneath mm-hmm. the basket. He lands on his back. Mm-hmm. And knowing what we know now about Scottie Pippen, you got to wonder if there's a connection there uh, with his back issues and the way he landed. But he played through the rest of the game um, yeah. and looked pretty good. And and having seen the last dance, he talks about, you know, maybe I needed surgery that offseason and blah, 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 and mm-hmm. I'm going to wait to get it and all mm-hmm. this and that. And, and we'll talk about that when we cover last dance. Yeah, that was a foul by Clyde, Dretz, Dre, Clyde Drexler, if I'm remembering correctly. And he, you know, unlike Isaiah Thomas or Bill Lambeer or any any of the other teams that really beat up on Pippen, 
you know, he comes over and he makes it clear, hey, I didn't mean to hurt you. Yeah. He's he's sitting there. He's putting his hands on him. He's yeah. showing concern. Sure. There's less history between these two teams, obviously. The totally. Bulls and the Blazers met up, what, twice in the regular season yeah. each of those years, as opposed to the Pistons. Who were like, we've seen enough of these guys. Let's just go beat them up. <laughs> right, and that was the only way they could win. Where yeah. where the the Blazers, you know, had a chance. They had enough offense to beat them. They were pretty evenly matched. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a good matchup. Um, all the pieces kind of uh, matched up very well. And so, yeah, it was definitely not as as uh, malicious of a series between the two teams. Yeah, it was physical. There were some some hard hits and and tough play, but. At the heart of it, it was an even matchup of two teams that were just, you know, playing good, hard basketball. Totally. Not dirty. Hard. Totally. Yeah. So uh, so, so this um, YouTube video that I watched, it had it, what's, what's amazing about it is that it's the full broadcast feed. So when the broadcasters th- throw it to commercial... The, the camera and the audio doesn't stop. It's still on Marv Albert, Mike Fratello, and what they're doing during the commercial break is watching replays of the action that has just uh, transpired, and they're getting ready to break it down for the national audience. And, you know, they have, they have two minutes or so to watch replays and say, oh, okay, you show me this. They're talking to the production team. You show me this, and I'm going to say this and then throw it to this clip, and then I'm gonna say that. So it's really, really cool to get these behind the scenes looks of, of these broadcast professionals yeah. getting ready to break it down. Just a great peek behind the curtain, right? Yeah, totally. And there were two outstanding commercial breaks in this game six. Uh, uh, if you're a, a NBA fan, you gotta watch this. Uh, so the, the first outstanding commercial break was in the first half. Jerome Kersey is having an amazing first half. He's kind of underperformed. Scottie Pippen has more or less owned him throughout the series, and, and he's having an offensive outburst. He's, he's showing energy on defense, and uh, he picks up a foul. And the Blazers coach, Rick Adelman, takes him out of the game, and, uh, and, you, and, and that's kind of not remarked upon in the, in the play-by-play during the game. But when they throw it to commercial and they start breaking it down, the production team sees that Rick Adelman thinks that Kersey just picked up his third foul when he really only picked up his very first foul of the game. It's <laughs> so, a pretty egregious mistake. Yeah, totally egregious. And it's on. It's it's to the fault of the uh, the staff on the Blazers and the scoreboard of in the Chicago Stadium. Yeah, absolutely. That, that apparently had the wrong stats up for Kersey because yep. you can see the camera shots where Kersey's walking off the floor and he's got his hands up in a shrug like, why the hell are you taking me out of the game? I'm having my best game of the year. Yeah. And Rick Adelman, the coach, holds up three fingers and says, you got your third foul. And he says, no. <laughs> and, and then you see Adelman look up to the scoreboard and then has someone talk in his ear at the same time, and he just goes, he throws his hands up in the air. He's like, what the hell, man? He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he was two fouls off, and he, this is an, elimin- an elimination game. Yeah, that's, so that's some hometown scoreboarding right a, there. That's a huge error, and that's something that Fratello and Albert did not pick up in the moment, but when you throw it to commercial, the production team shows them those clips, yeah. and they're just so excited. They're like, oh my god, that's yeah. great work. We great work. Breaking news. We got some investigative journalism yeah. going on right now. Yeah, yeah. It was it was amazing. I mean, um, Scott and I are both big fans of John Boy Media, breaks time, down for uh, sure. Major League Baseball games, and it felt like a precursor of that. It was like a perfect John Boy where they're reading lips yeah they're they're figuring out everything that's happening yeah yeah really amazing so super cool to have those behind the scenes moments yeah definitely that's that's a good one too um just a little a little insight into what's going on not just with the the announcers but also with the coaches and the players totally yeah it's almost like if we didn't need commercials we'd be able to watch all that stuff all the way through and and get it right but capitalism is what it is, and we got to see some ads. <laughs> and you might even see Michael Jordan pop up in some of these ads, too. So it all yeah. ties together. 100%. Yep. <laughs> um, you mentioned that the Blazers jump out to a huge lead in this game. Yeah. And it looks like things are heading towards a Game 7. Totally, in, in totally. Fact, the announcers are even talking about Game 7 appears it will be necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Blazers led by as many as 17 
And going into the fourth quarter, they had a 15-point lead. Yes. And and this isn't like today's NBA where uh, a 15-point lead, you know, that might be swapped during a game. One team might be up 15 and then Absolutely. come back and then they're up 15. We saw it several times in this last finals between the Suns and the Bucks. I yeah. mean, a lot of lead changes. Um, no lead is secure in the era of the three-point shot where yeah. everyone can jack up a three-pointer at any given moment. But this is a different era where, where you're just about ready to concede the game if yeah. you're down 15 going into the fourth quarter. And it almost seems like that's what Phil Jackson is doing because he, to, to begin the fourth quarter, he sends in Scottie Pippen and the reserves. You yes. know, it's Stacey King, got Scott Williams, Bobby Hansen. A name we've already mentioned. BJ Armstrong. Yep, Bobby Hansen is going to step up in a pretty big way. Yeah, yeah. He comes up with big, big three pointer, big defensive play yeah. just in the, first, in the first 90 seconds of the quarter. And that's, you know, that's the highlight of Bobby Hansen's Absolutely. athletic career. That's For incredible. Sure. Jordan probably high-fived him after the game. Maybe that was the highlight. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with Jordan on the bench, uh, the scrubs went in and, and knocked off a 14-2 run. Yeah, yeah. And- Stacey King had a great offensive output. He, he, he comes in, he's got a great left-hand drive. He knocks down Buck Williams trying to flop and, and knocks down a mid-range jumper. It's... It's super exciting, and I, I, I really think that, like I said, this is the most exciting Bulls championship clincher because they're down, and then this momentum shift, this unlikely momentum shift. Yeah. Scottie Pippen's providing offense, and and the, you get these contributions from unlikely sources, and the Bulls go on this crazy run. Yeah, and, and you're not the only one who got excited by it. No. Because when Jordan comes back into the game, he's playing like a, a man possessed. Right. And well the other the other commercial break breakdown that I loved watching this YouTube uh, broadcast of the game is before Jordan comes in, the Bulls are on I can't remember now, but it's like a it's like a 17 to 4 run or something and they throw it to commercial and the entire crowd is going insane. I you bet. you you know that song the like Na na na. Yeah. Nah. Hey. Yeah. The entire crowd has their arms in the air. They're screaming their heads off. Yeah. It's insane. Well, think about it. Think about the makeup of the crowd, right? A lot of those people probably bought one ticket yeah. to the finals and they yeah. thought this was the game. And all of a sudden it looks like, oh no, this isn't the game anymore. But then suddenly it totally is they the game. They can feel it. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a lot of energy. And that that stadium, by all accounts, had crazy acoustics where it just like like uh, the clink out in Seattle where Definitely it's louder loud. than. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. A, a, a decibel enhancer, I guess. Yes. So, so during this commercial break, before Jordan comes in, it, the the broadcast crew they're not looking at replays. It's the camera is just on the court, and you just hear Marv Albert talking to someone. He's still mic'd up. He's talking to someone who's not mic'd up, and he says, "Just look, Jordan's going to come in and wreck this." Yeah. And and they say something. And he goes, "No." No, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Just watch. Oh, Just man. watch. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, Marv Albert had seen Jordan before. Yeah, and and it's just like it's it was such an emphatic statement and watching watching it, I'd never heard that before. It was so such just so amazing to see that. And and how cool to see um, someone like Marv Albert, who you never he's very impartial on the mm-hmm. broadcast. You mm-hmm. never hear him say anything like that on TV. How amazing to hear him say something like that. Finally, you you like He's a human being with like thoughts and <laughs> emotions and stuff, and that's yeah. really really cool. Yeah, and the Bulls are still trailing at this point, by the way. They're, oh. You know, he's but, but he sees the writing on the wall. Yeah, and and apparently whoever he was talking to was like, well, we'll see. And he goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> Buckle up, because uh, according to the Untouchables, Superman is back in the building. That's right. Jordan comes into this game and just takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. He tastes victory, and he's gonna finish the job. Mm-hmm. And, and sure enough. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, they ended up winning that game pretty comfortably, honestly. Right? It, what it, was the uh, the final score of that game? Well, it it, it it was not like totally wrapped up, but by the end of uh, the final two minutes, there the momentum had clearly shifted, and uh, uh, it the it ends with John Paxson running away with the ball. The Blazers had tried to foul to extend it out. Yep. But uh, he's got the ball in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Final score 97-93. Um, it just felt much <laughs> it did, further yeah. apart. It than felt that. like the, the game was in hand, even when the Bulls were losing. Because yep. 
because the Blazers really had no answer and you, those bad body language, you, whenever a call went against them, you could just see that they were kind of smiling and shrugging and saying, oh, what the hell, yeah. you know, it was it was over. Yeah, yeah, Mal for Rattler sure. was right, yeah, in yep. hindsight. In the moment, I'm sure, you know, you, you don't, you don't bet well, you don't, the farm on it. Yeah, but, you don't want to say anything that's going to get you in trouble later on. But yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, look at uh, look at the USA France uh, <sighs> Olympics game. It yep. looked like it looked like the US had it in hand with yep. the fourth quarter run. Yep. But then it, the bottom dropped out. But that wasn't the case this time. Yep. Nope. This was uh, a team led by someone named Michael Jordan. And yeah. <laughs> after they came, uh, after they the Blazers tied the series uh, at two. Mm-hmm. Jordan answered that by scoring 46 points in Game 5 and 33 points in Game 6. I mm-hmm. mean, he wasn't messing around. He wanted to do it. But also notable in Game 5, Scottie Pippen with 11 rebounds and 9 assists. Yeah. That's a yeah. great game. And then in Game 6, it's a little bit more spread out. You know, Michael had 33, obviously, but the leading rebounder for the Bulls was Scott Williams, and the most assists went to Horace Grant. So obviously it was a Horace team game. Yeah. You know, they all came together, and, and they put it away. Championship number two in the books. That was the uh, Bulls' first championship at home, mm-hmm. obviously, um, and it was they were the only the fourth franchise to win back-to-back titles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you name the others? Yeah, that was the Minneapolis, Minneapolis Lakers sure. beforehand. Okay. The Boston Celtics. Uh huh. We got the Detroit Pistons. There it is. And, and, and now the Bulls. And the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, yeah, okay, okay. Fair enough. Um, but I think the Lakers all count as one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yep. Um, Not many lakes in L.A., though. Well, I mean, uh, like there's butter, like maybe some Land O'Lakes butter. <laughs> maybe. Uh, that's a bad joke. And I'm leaving it in. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but that's it. That's The Untouchables uh, and a really, really good film. I'm calling it a film. Mm-hmm. It definitely was, uh, it seemed like Oscar bait to me. So I liked it a lot. <laughs> Um, an interesting note, this this uh, YouTube video that I watched of it ends with a Michael Jackson music video. Mm. Uh, I watched all the way through the credits, and all of a sudden Michael Jackson pops up, and he's singing his song, Jam. And uh, it, boy, this music video is a mess. Come I would on, recommend if you are watching this uh, video on the link provided on 90slam.wordpress.com, watch it all the way to the end, everybody. It is worth it. Come on and slam if you want to jam. With Michael Jackson. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, you. What you going to do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, and that's it for this episode, everybody. Thanks Heck so much yeah. for listening. Uh, what do you, any, any final thoughts? Anything to wrap up with? Um, what do you think? What should we do for our next episode, Chris? Oh, man. Should maybe, we, maybe well, we, we've been going alternating uh, a, a championship series and a cinematic okay. film. Yeah. Uh, are you thinking that for next week? Uh, you know, I'm really open to anything. We could go cinematic or we could get off the Michael Jordan train for a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about maybe the Rockets, the Spurs, or the Pistons. Yeah, sure. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll talk about it. Check out our website, 90slam.wordpress.com on Tuesday or follow us on Instagram and Twitter and we will let you know what the next episode is going to be about. But until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you next time. Yes. Amen.